0: because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hey everyone, welcome back to Therapy for Your Money. We took a little break in the last couple of weeks of tax season, but I'm really excited to be back today talking about international business travel. Today's episode was inspired by Ernesto Segismundo. So he and I chatted a couple of weeks ago, and he's putting on the not-the-typical psychotherapist conference in Nashville in May 2022, so just around the corner. But He just announced that the 2023 conference will be in London, England. So exciting. In addition to that, he's planning a retreat in Italy, and I think there are other European retreats in the works as well. At least that's, that's what I think is happening. So that's really exciting stuff. As always, though, as an accountant, my mind goes to the tax consequences of international travel. So I thought I'd put together an episode based on IRS publication 463. Um, I will link to that in the show notes in case you'd like some light bedtime reading. It definitely will put you to sleep. But publication 463 covers travel, meals, and entertainment. But for today's episode, I'm just going to be reviewing some of the key items for specifically international travel business travel Uh, there are definitely some areas of tax that are black and white this is one that is a little more gray than others so as always if you are in doubt it's a good idea to consult with your tax professional just to make sure that you're on the same page and they'll be able to clarify uh, anything if you need it if a trip is primarily for personal reasons and it's mostly a vacation just watching uh, a video or attending a lecture dealing with pretty general subjects that's not going to change your vacation into a business trip, okay? So I'm talking today about uh, business trips that are primarily for business. So what the IRS says about that is that if you're traveling outside the United States primarily for business, but you spend some time on other activities, you generally can't deduct all of your travel expenses. So you're only going to be able to deduct a portion of your costs in transportation, getting to and from the location, as well as your lodging and meals. You're only going to be able to deduct a portion of those, not the entire thing. You're going to have to keep really accurate records of how much of your trip was business related and how much was personal. There are, however, four main exceptions to that rule. So exception number one is going to be that you have no substantial control. Uh, where the trip is entirely for business control, business purposes, and you're an employee of someone else, you have no control over that trip. So obviously for business owners, that is typically not going to apply. So we're ruling out exception number one. Exception number two is that you are outside the United States no more than one week. So your trip is going to be considered entirely for business purposes if you were outside the US for one week or less. And that is combined of business and non-business activities. So seven consecutive days. In counting those days, you're not going to count the day that you leave the United States, but you will count the day that you're returning to the United States. So you can be outside for seven days, up to seven days, and that's going to be entirely considered to be a business trip. Here's the example the IRS gives us. If you're traveling to Brussels, primarily for business, you leave Denver on Tuesday and you fly to New York. On Wednesday, you fly from New York to Brussels and you arrive the next morning, so on Thursday. On Thursday and Friday, you have business meetings, and then from Saturday through Tuesday, you're sightseeing. Then you fly back on Wednesday to New York, and then on Thursday, you fly back to Denver. So even though you were away from Denver for more than a week, and in this example, Denver is your home, you were not outside the United States for more than one week. That's because the day that you leave doesn't count as a day outside the US. So in in this case, you can deduct the full cost of your round-trip flight between Denver and Brussels. You can also deduct the cost of your stay for Thursday and Friday only when you're, the days that you are conducting business, right? So you'll see here, your travel was fully deductible, but only the days that you're staying in a hotel for business, only those are deductible. So you're not able to fully deduct your, your hotel room. And that also means on the days that you are sightseeing in Brussels from Saturday through Tuesday, Those days you're not able to deduct your meals as business meals or your lodging either. Okay, so that was our exception number two. I think that's going to apply in many cases here where you're outside the US no more than a week, you're able to fully deduct the airfare and you're able to partially deduct your hotel. Our exception number three, less than 25% of your time is spent on personal activities. So your trip is going to be considered entirely for business if you're outside the US for more than a week, but you spent less than 25% of the total time on non-business activities. Um, so for this purpose, you're counting both the day your trip begins and the day your trip ends. Can't keep it simple here, right? We've got to complicate things. So you are counting both the day your trip begins and the day day your trip ends. All right. I'm going to share with you the example that the IRS has for this exception. So if you're flying from Seattle to Tokyo and you're spending 14 days on business, And then five days on personal uh, travel. Then you fly back to Seattle. So you spend one day flying in each direction. So your personal days are considered to be five out of 21 total days of your time abroad were non-business, right? Because you had five personal days out of the 21 days that you were gone. So because your personal time was less than 25%, you're able to deduct the full amount of your airfare and you're able to deduct your lodging and meals for the days that were spent on business activities. Our last exception, number four, is that vacation was not a major consideration. So your trip is going to be considered entirely for business if you can establish that a personal vacation wasn't a major consideration, even if you have substantial control over arranging the trip. This is one of those areas that's going to be a lot more gray than black and white, right? What happens if the exceptions that we covered do not cover your situation? In that case, you're going to follow the travel allocation rules. So if your trip was primarily for business, but there was some personal uh, days in there, you're going to allocate your travel time on a day-to-day ba- basis between business days and non-business days. And that's where documentation really is going to be important. When you're counting your business days, you're going to include transportation days, days that your presence was required, days that you spent on business, and certain holidays and weekends. So let's look at what that looks like. Um, You're counting as a business day any day that you spend traveling to or from a business destination. However, if you're traveling because of a personal reason to a non-direct route, right, let's say you're stopping somewhere before you go to your final destination, that day is not going to count as a business day. Um, So you're you're essentially counting the day that it would take you to travel a reasonably direct route to your business destination. So extra days for side trips or non-business activities are not counted as business days. You're also going to count the days where your presence is required somewhere, right? Your presence is required in a meeting. Um, So any day that you have to be at a specific place for a specific business purpose, that is going to count as a business day, even if you're only spending part of the day on that business activity and the rest of the day is a non-business activity. Um, Any day that you're spending fully uh, working on business and your principal activity during working hours is going to be the pursuit of your trade or business, that's going to count as a business day as well. You can also count as a business day any day that you're prevented from working because of circumstances that are beyond your control. That would be act of God, a reason that you're not able to work because of something that you did not control. Certain weekends or holidays can also count as a, a business day as well. You're able to count weekend days and holidays as business days if there is a business day on the day before and the day after. So for example, if you have a business meeting on Friday and you also have a business meeting on Monday, in that case, Saturday and Sunday are going to count as business days. But if you finish your business meetings on friday and then you decide to stay on two additional days or more then that does not count as a business day the weekend does not count as a business day in those circumstances if you will be traveling with family members just keep in mind that if they do not have an active participation in the business and have a business reason for being uh, in the foreign country with you then their travel will not be tax deductible So their airfare will not be tax deductible, their meals also, right? That whole entire piece of your travel is going to be considered personal. You may still be able to get to deduct lodging if there is a business purpose for the lodging, right? If they're staying in the same room as you, then you would still be able to deduct the lodging, but their airfare would not be deductible because they really don't have a a business reason for being there. So that would be considered personal. The last thing I want to discuss today is the reasonableness test. So there's a couple factors that are taken into account to determine if it was reasonable for a meeting to be held outside of North America. I just want to mention those to you. So one, we look at the purpose of the meeting and the activities taking place at the meeting, then the purpose and activities of the sponsoring organization or groups, and then the homes of the active members of the sponsoring organizations as well. There are other factors that may be relevant, uh, but those are the main ones, all right? Whether you're traveling 100% for business or a mix of business and personal vacation, do let your accountant know if you're doing something that's out of your normal patterns. What I mean by that is that if your travel is typically 100% business, and all of a sudden you're mixing both, accountants are great at what they do, but they're not mind readers, including me as well. So if you're doing something that's different from your typical patterns, just drop your accountant or your bookkeeper a note saying, hey, I'm signing up for this international retreat. Let's talk about which portion is going to be deductible and not at our next meeting. Right. So just give them a heads up so that they know there's going to be a special treatment here and we need to just make sure we document correctly. So at this point you might be thinking, all right, this all sounds good, right? I think I can deduct international business travel, but how exactly am I going to make sure that I can afford it? So there really are conferences at every price point. Just because one of them sounds really, really, really amazing and enticing, that doesn't mean that you necessarily can't afford to, and that's okay. I'm always okay with you saying no today, because no really means not right now. That doesn't mean that you can't do it in the future, but if something is really going to crunch your budget, it probably doesn't make financial sense to put your business at risk or your your personal situation at risk in order to go to a conference that just sounds really awesome. I want to give you permission to say no if it's just not going to work for your budget. If you do think that you can make it work, it's a good idea to plan out an expense of this size. There's going to be Two big expenses here, and that's going to be your flight and your lodging, and then there's going to be smaller expenses like meals, activities, and local transportation. Those are going to add up quickly, so you do want to have a line item for them on your budget. Time is on your side, though. Because international events take more time to plan, you're typically going to have a good amount of time to plan ahead, save up money, and get ready for this trip. You're typically not going to be able to book your flight until about 11 months before the event. Um, I did a little Google search to see how far ahead you can book a flight and it looks like the standard in the industry is about 330 days, so roughly 11 months or so. So you can definitely get your passport ready. Uh, there's plenty of time if you get that taken care of right now and then you won't even have to pay these surcharges to rush your passport to you. You can also look up the flights 11 months from today. While that's not gonna give you an exact amount that you need to save, it's still going to give you a ballpark figure of when you're going to book the flight, an estimate of how much it's going to cost you at that point. So my goal for you would be to have that dollar amount saved about one year prior to the event so that at that point, whenever you see a good deal pop up for your destination, you can jump on that and you can buy the ticket right away because that is one expense that you're going to have to pay as soon as you book the ticket. You're going to have to pay that on your credit card. All right, next up, you have lodging. Depending on how long you're staying, that's going to be a pretty big amount. Again, depending on whether the event is at a hotel, you might have access to a room block at a discounted rate. So you want to put that line item in your budget. And when you're booking the hotel room, uh, in some cases, you might have to put down a deposit. In some cases, you have, might have to prepay. In other cases, you won't actually have to pay anything until you check into the hotel or maybe even when you check out. So look at what that expense uh, is going to look like and when it's going to happen. So you can plan it out. Um, If you are staying at um, an Airbnb or a villa, there's a good chance that you're going to have to pay a certain amount up front and then another amount later on. So you want to look at the timing of all these expenses to make sure you've got enough money at each stage. And last but not least, you're going to give yourself a budget for Uh, for meals, activities, for local transportation. This is going to be just an estimate, but you can still look at the itinerary for the event you're attending. Do they have breakfast and lunch included? Uh, What is already paid for and what will you need to pay for separately? If you're taking any personal days before or after uh, the event, you want to make sure you budget for that as well. And then do keep in mind the currency exchange rate because that is going to make a difference on exactly how much uh, it costs you. You may know by now I'm a huge fan of Profit First and so having a separate bank account for your retreat, conference, uh, destination travel can be a really, really good way and motivating motivating way to save ahead for that expense. Uh, So I'm always in favor of a separate bank account when it will be useful to you. So we're also going to have a blog post that goes over all of this data if you just need to sink your teeth in a little bit and review this information. But I hope that you will be traveling this year. There's a lot of great conferences, retreats that are coming up, um, and it certainly can be refreshing and rejuvenating for a business owner to get out of the office and out of the day-to-day and talk shop, talk business with other fellow business owners as well. Have a great day, everyone. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.